Oh, welcome to our Ash Wednesday service. Very interesting music there, but uh, <clears throat> it's all right. It's a reflective service, not too unlike some of the reflective services we'll be having, like Good Fridays. We come up to Easter, so this is kind of really the uh, run-up to Easter, and uh, we start out with Ash Wednesday, uh, which kicks off the time of Lent. And uh, just real briefly, over the next few minutes, I want to give you just kind of a mini reason for the concept be behind Lent, and, and hopefully this will make sense <laughs> to me anyway. <laughs> but uh, uh, I want you to think a little bit about uh, Satan, all right? Now, Satan is, you know, often portrayed in culture as you know, a horned, you know, red guy with a big pointy tail and stuff like that, uh, and ugly and, and nasty looking, primarily to reflect what he ends up bringing into people's lives, but that's actually not how he looks. He is one of the most beautiful angels, if not the most beautiful angel God ever created. And the problem with that is Satan fell in love with himself. He looked at himself and said, hey... How can you not love this, right? So, uh, and he got into his head that he could rule instead of God. And we know, again, his motivation was pride and ego and all that stuff. So uh, we get that. We understand his motivation. What I think sometimes we fail to comprehend is how smart this guy is, all right? He has an extremely high IQ. And we're talking really, really, really high. Here's a guy who comes to one-third of all the angels and gets them convinced that they need to rebel with him against God. Now, don't you think about this. Angels live in heaven. Heaven is perfect. See, it's one thing for Satan to come and fool us and deceive us and point us. I mean, let's face it, life on this rock really bites, <laughs> okay? It's hard, right? And you, you don't see everything clearly and it's hard to comprehend and we deal with, you know, I mean, from the time that we're born, just walking, falling down and, you know, potty training and then zits and then, I mean, life is rough. And then we got to get a job. Ah! So we spend the rest of our lives working, 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 working. And, uh, and all the challenges that comes in. It's one thing for him to come to us, those of us who are dull of hearing, incapable of comprehending and seeing oftentimes, and certainly in, a, in an atmosphere where life basically really bites. And to tell us, you know, hey, 
I got a better plan, right? It's easy for him. But now stop and think. He comes to angels where everything is perfect. How do you come to someone that is experiencing unparalleled, unrestrained perfection and convince them, you know, we can do better. Now, I don't know what his argument was. We only know what his motivation was. I, I've got theories. I love to theorize some of the uh, arguments he might have come up with. But I mean, you've got to hand it to the boy. This is stunning. If you, for you to live in absolute perfection and someone to come along and tell you this isn't good enough, that somehow you're being cheated. I, I don't know what he said, but he was good at it. And again, the Bible says one-third. Now, I don't know how many angels there were at the time in heaven. My guess is, knowing God, there's a whole chunk of them. So we're not talking like 80 guys he got together. All right? We're talking a huge chunk. So then they have this massive, you know, rebellion and, you know, God throws them all out and it's, we all want up here <laughs> waiting for all this to end. But uh, so anyway, he comes to us. Now, so you have to understand, the Bible says that we're supposed to be cautious and aware of Satan's devices, that he goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Christians were warned to pay attention, to be on the lookout. Uh, oftentimes we will hear in, you know, victory messages, and I'm all for victory messages, you know, anything to encourage us, because <laughs> like I said, life can really bite. And, and oftentimes we'll say, you know, Satan's a defeated foe, he's a nothing, he's under our feet, he's a toothless lion. <laughs> no, not really. Okay, now he is under our feet. And if we'll walk in the victory God has prepared, but make no mistake, this is no toothless lion. And he is no dummy. And he knows how to jack you up and to mess you up. Now, here's the amazing thing that I find fascinating. And this is just becoming more and more clear to me over the last few years. Not too many decades ago, there was like this big, and some of you guys, geezers like me will remember, this, this big thing going around, you know, in the culture where everybody was asking, you know, who am I? Right, you guys remember this. This is, this is a big thing. Uh, you know, why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? And psychologists and all these people were trying to, really the problem was dealing with a Western culture trying to live without God. When you live without God, you got a problem right? Who are you? Why are you here? What are we supposed to be doing? Well, they're convincing, you know, said, you know, uh, God had nothing to do with it, that we're only here because we crawled out of a primordial slime somewhere, climbed up a tree and fell out in a monkey suit or whatever. I can't remember what the deal is, but, uh, you know, everything they can to try and dismiss the idea of God. And you're like, well, you remove that, man, you got a big hole. Who am I? Why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? So all these really brilliant psychologists come up with uh, what they called uh, the key. Let's see if I can draw a key. I'm not known for my drawing prowess, okay? But we're going to make a big, you know, uh, skeleton key here. 
There's the key, all right? Like my key? <laughs> Rather impressive if I do say myself. So, the key to this, what is the key? The key is to look inside and look at your heart. <laughs> What's in your heart? What do you feel? Everything is about feeling. And if we can just understand who you are as an individual. And this is when uh, America and Western culture started becoming obsessed with the idea of self-realization. And everybody's trying to understand who they are. You young people have no idea what we're talking about. Because this is all still, it's the way the world's always been. It has not always been this crazy. All right? This is relatively nuts in my lifetime. When I grew, people weren't, grew up, people weren't nearly as crazy as us today. So this is all the stuff that's happened over the last, you know, 50 years. And trying to get people to realize who they are. And, and, and because if you'll just connect with your feelings, your feelings will let you know. Your feelings will let you know who you are, why you're here, what you should be doing. In fact, the encouragement has always been, just follow your heart, right? Even in the face of blatant stupidity. I mean, how many, <laughs> how many chick flicks do you see, you know, where the chick always drawn to this loser, he's always the bad boy, you know, everything of any degree of intelligence would say, this is a bad decision. But she has to follow her heart. I have to be true to my, if I'm not true to my heart, then who am I? Now, Christianity, sadly, for a while, and I think to still some degree struggles with this, I remember Bible teachers teaching, in, in essence, this, that the key to really understanding who you are in God is to just understand, you know, what's in your heart. And I remember when I first started hearing these messages, it kind of creeped me out. And uh, it did, you know, I remember sitting in search going, what? <laughs> really? See, because I'm vaguely aware of this strange concept known as the Bible. So when people come along with these new ideas and it goes against the Bible, I go, oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. Because in Jeremiah... Uh, the 17th chapter, verse 9, he writes this, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Now, there's two ways of looking at this. One is that Jeremiah just didn't understand what it is to have a new heart in Christ. Okay, maybe. Or he's just understanding, talking about the human heart condition in general. It is not really curable. And, and here's what's great. You can get saved, and God can give you a new heart. But as I've talked to you many times, especially on special occasions like baptisms and stuff like that, you have to remember, there is this battle going on inside of all of us. We all have this battle. If you don't sense a battle going on in you, you're in a coma, man. <laughs> because now, as a Christian, we all of a sudden, we have new life. And these feelings get... Now, either uh, influenced, you know, by the Holy Spirit, you know, 
in our lives, the spirit or, or the flesh. Now, before Jesus comes into your life, it's all the flesh. Flesh absolutely controls and dominates you. You have very little to say about this. If you feel it, you got to do it. It controls you. Everything you were thinking and doing before you came to Jesus, you were following whatever you felt, and how did that work out for you? I mean, it was a disaster. It led to sin and destruction and bitterness and broken relationships and financial disasters and addictions and all this kind of stuff because this flesh just screams, especially in this culture, about your feelings. When you become a Christian, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit can start affecting this. But make no mistake, this is still there. It is very still there. So here's where Satan's really brilliant. He comes and he convinces everybody that your feelings really help you. Now, in a culture that was still pretty much dominated by Christian experience and Christian thinking in, our, in Western culture, the idea of following your feelings and just kind of, you know, seemed to make sense. And I remember pastors talking about, you know, you just, you got to feel in your heart, your heart will tell you what to do and all this kind of stuff, which I always think is a bit of a little crazy uh, thing because your heart can get you in all kinds of trouble. But they're all teaching this because it was all the thinking and it was, it was all that. So Satan gets everybody thinking in this way that your, yeah, your feelings really identify you. Then, after having everybody convinced about this, he starts flooding our senses with things that drive our feelings in bad places. And what we have today are people who are absolute slaves to this stuff, even Christians who have a hard time breaking it up because they think because they feel it, they must do it. You know, I have to have sex with my boyfriend. I know I shouldn't, but we love each other, right? I shouldn't cheat on my wife, but we couldn't deny our hearts, right? I, 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 I know I shouldn't look at porn because it's destructive to me as a person and it'll rob me, but I can't help because I, I feel it. There's people, I, 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 I can't say no to the alcohol because I feel it. And I can't say no to the drugs because I feel it. I have to, I have to do what I feel. And they cry. And, and even Christians who don't get this and understand this, they pray desperately, God, change the way I feel. Take away these feelings. But what they don't understand is God doesn't come and do that. What Christianity is about is teaching us that we are free and we don't have to do what we feel. In our culture, you feel like you got to steal, you got to steal. You can't help, you know. Doesn't matter if you're a millionaire rich movie star, you go into Walmart, you got to steal stuff. Right? This stuff makes any sense. And everything is based on you, your feelings and you just do whatever you feel. You got to do it like we're all like all animals. And that's what they try and tell us. That's why it's important to buy into their story that we climbed out of the primordial slime, moved up in a tree, swung like a monkey and dropped out in a business suit. Okay? Because that's the only way to convince that we are, in essence, animals. The only thing different from us and a chimpanzee or us and a, and a sloth or us and, you know, a cow is, you know, a couple of, you know, cells went in a different direction. We're, in essence, animals, and all animals basically live off of how they... It's all nature to them, you know? I mean, they have a little bit of personalities, you know. I got a cat. He's basically possessed, you know. <laughs> and they say, but still, they, they don't, you know, they can't really think all that much. They, they do whatever they feel they got to do, and they just follow, you know, the birds go wherever they're supposed to go, and everything's driven by nature. So, because we are, in essence, all animals, we can't help but do what we feel. So he gets everybody convinced about the feelings, and then he floods our culture with 
televisions and movies and all this crazy stuff that creates really confused feelings. And then people get stuck to it. I mean, he's really quite brilliant on how he pulls this thing off, okay? You think you got to, you feel it, you got to do it. You, you feel you're gay, you got to be gay, you can't help it. You feel you got to do it. Everything, everything's feeling. It identifies me. The Bible never talks in those terms. It just tells us that we are human beings that make decisions, particularly if we've been born again and we have new life in us. Uh, Paul writes about this in Galatians. Those of you who've been coming to our Wednesday night Bible study uh, will know this verse, Galatians, the fifth chapter. He says, so I, so I say walk by the Spirit, okay, so that you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So you're not supposed to do whatever you want. Okay, okay, I don't want to do it. No, 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 no. These things don't define you. They aren't what is you. Your feelings, God's word is what defines you. How God looks at you, his standards, his instructions for your life, and he gives you the power to fulfill these wonderful directions in your life but not if you think you are slaves to this. Now, all of this is driven primarily in most people's life is just by our flesh. What Lent is, it's a time where we say to the flesh, shut up, okay? That's what this is about, why? Because we want to be more influenced by the spirit of God and not so much by this. And it's gotta be real intentional, let's face it. We all, you know, you know, you work more than you pray, right? We all watch more TV than we read the Bible. We all, you know, it's hard not to be obsessed by this stuff. The beauty of, now we're supposed to do this all year long. It's not supposed to be a little 40, 40 day window. But Lent is a real time where we stop and say, you know, no. This needs to hear no. That's the idea behind giving something up for Lent. Something that you really like, okay? It's not a, about giving up stuff you don't like. I, I'm, I'm giving up broccoli, you know. Just, <laughs> sorry, mom, I can't take it. I gave it up for Lent, you know, or, or work or something. I, I'm sorry, I can't work, man. I, I gave it up for Lent. Uh, so not, not everybody does, but, but, but the idea behind it, that's what it's about. It's about finding Something. Some people say, you know, I'm going to fast one day a week. I'm going to fast one meal a day. I'm going to whatever it is. Uh, is that comfortable? No, it's not. You know, and you have no idea until you try it. You young people, I don't know if you've ever done it. If you really, really love Snickers bars, try giving that up for 40 days. It'll drive you crazy. Every time you walk by a counter of Snickers bars, it'll call your name. Ralph, I love you, man. You know what I mean? It's, it's just always there. Something that you love and you say, no, I'm cutting this out just so you can say to this, no, shut up, okay? Because my flesh, my feelings driven by my flesh is not what makes me who I am. I've been born of the spirit of God, which may at times influence my feelings, but the bottom line is God's spirit in me, obeying the word of God, the teachings of scripture, this is my life. I know who I am. I know why I am here. I know what I am supposed to be doing. And if you don't know the answers to that, I suggest you read your Bible, all right? Or for most people today, read your Bible, 
on your phones, okay? Which, actually, that's most of the time I read it on here. Uh, so I don't care how you do it, but take, be intentional about it. And to remind ourselves that this flesh and all this emotion, all this struggle that we find is a temporary state, all right? We are temporary beings. We're all here for a little while and shorter than you can imagine. And those of us who've been around for a while, y'all know what I'm talking about. I've used this analogy many times, but I'll keep using it. How quick did the last 20 years of your life go? It's like that. And we all get about four of those. Five if you're on a roll. All right? And then this is done. That's why we're supposed to be intentional about laying up treasures in heaven, looking forward to eternity. Don't let your entire existence be about what I'm going to do tomorrow, what I'm going to eat tonight, where I'm going to go with my friends this weekend. If that's all you think about, my career, what I'm going to do, that you're making a huge mistake. As a Christian, as a non-Christian, you're just making a mistake because you're ignoring Jesus, but it's a different story. But don't get so caught up in your life that you forget about eternity. Eternity is as sure as all of us are sitting here. And I promise you, there is not a one of us in this room that at some point will not end up a big ball of dust. There's a cheery thought. All right. But that's what Ash Wednesday is about. We start out this time being marked with the ashes to remember that from ashes to ashes and dust to dust. That's what God said because of man's sin, this physical body must die. The good news is we can experience new life on the inside and look forward to an eternity with him and someday a new body raised in his glory. All that's coming. In the meanwhile, we, have to, we still struggle with this. Don't get caught up and deceived by thinking this is validated because you feel it. It doesn't matter what you feel. Again, the one thing Christians have to learn is we don't have to do what we feel. That's the freedom. That's the freedom. If you spend all your time wrestling with your feelings, you're a very discouraged Christian. And I might be talking to some of you over at Stephen's Point, maybe at Apple in here, I don't know. Some of you on the internet. You guys know who I'm talking about. You're, you're the extremely frustrated Christian. I try. I try not to do it. I, these feelings keep coming. I, I try. No, I shouldn't do it. I, I don't know. God, take away these feelings. Lord, take away these feelings. No, 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 no. I can take away the feelings. What do I do with them? You ignore them. You say no. Everybody say no. That's what you say. You say, and the beauty is the grace of God teaches us to say no and to control ourselves. We can live lives of self-control. Now, having said that, there are times we have been known to fail. <laughs> Myself included. So, but just because we fail doesn't mean it's not real. We all make mistakes and we all give in to the flesh and the feelings make us scream at somebody or do something we shouldn't do or think inappropriate thoughts. I get all that. But we don't have to live here. We have been set free. And whom the Son sets free, the Bible says, is free indeed. We begin this time of Lent reminding that this flesh that is, we're wrestling with. The Bible says we wrestle with it. All right? Because this part of you is what drives this and wants to pull you away from God. Even though you've been born again, you have Jesus in your life, that part is not gone. It won't be gone until you take your last breath. 
That's why at some point, death is actually the final victory step for a Christian. Because then you, we don't deal with this anymore. You won't have those feelings anymore. You won't have to say no to the anger and the bitterness and the unforgiving and the lust and the envy and the fear and all this kind of stuff that drives us crazy. But we're not supposed to let that control us. And Paul teaches us if we'll learn to say no and walk in the spirit, we can live a victorious Christian life. Again, nobody's gonna pull us off perfectly. That's not the point. What the world wants to tell you is you can't do this. You have to do what you feel. Whatever you feel, it controls you, and no, it doesn't. It might control them without Jesus. There's no doubt in my mind it controls them. They are slaves. The Bible says they're slaves to their passions and to their feelings. But as Christians, we are free. The feelings will still be there, but you don't have to do it anymore. And as people of faith, we need to be intentional. And Lent, Lent is a time of intentionality. So we're going to be going into the rest of our service uh, with the uh, Lent. Uh, ceremony that we have, Pastor, uh, whoever's going to do it here, Pastor Lathan. Hi, how you doing? And the other pastors and stuff like that. <laughs> so uh, let's, let, let's close. I just want to pray with you right now about this, and then we'll go into that part of it where we start reflecting on the fact that someday all this flesh will become ashes. Don't sell yourself out for a bunch of ash. Don't do it. Don't let your life, don't ruin your eternity. Don't impact your eternity negatively because of the flesh. That flesh that screams at you is just dust. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that in Jesus we have new life. We have forgiveness. We have victory through the power of his name and the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us to help us live victorious Christian lives. But Lord, we have to do it intentionally. Help us to resist the culture in which we live that says, no, we, we're animals, we can't control it, whatever we feel we have to do. No, we don't. We are indeed free. We can choose, and we can walk victoriously. And Lord, during the season of Lent, help us to be intentional about just saying no to this flesh and saying yes to God and reminding the flesh who we are really, our children of the living God. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen.